Welcome to the Short Rod Show. You're talking with Ben. And Brett. We are up to episode 15. Thanks for everyone for tuning in this week. I uh, got another great episode on the way. Yeah, we're going to chat a little bit about just different lake structure. So last week we got out on the water or out on the ice, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but bottom structure, bottom content uh, really kind of played a role into how we found fish and caught yep. fish. So we're going to touch on that. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to get out on a spot that has structure, and that's usually the place where you're going to find yep. fish, and they're going to congregate there, and you can focus your efforts a little bit more than just punching holes around a lake, Swiss cheese in the lake, like we call it, yep. um, and not finding anything. And structure can mean a couple different things. I mean, you got kind of physical structure where you got brush piles and rock piles or pallets, and then you got lake bottom structure where you got drop-offs or you got transitions from one bottom content to another, um, contours, that sort of deal. So yep. hope to break that down a little bit for you. Awesome. And so last week, uh, Brett, you sent me a, a map link for a little pond uh, here yep. in town in Ankeny. And we've never fished it before, and you said it looked pretty juicy. Oh, yeah, it was big. I mean, it's a pretty good-sized lake. I'd say it's – I've lived here for probably going on eight years now or in the area. Uh, I bet it's at least six or seven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found it was, what, 20 foot deep? 20, and, yeah, almost 22. 25. Yeah, and some spots we were fishing. So I was like, man, this thing is going to be the juice. It, 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 yeah, it's one of the bigger ones. There's got to be something in there. Yeah, and it had already been drilled that day. It had been – well, yeah, somebody had been, been out there. Uh, last weekend was real cold. I mean, it was, I don't know, probably 10, 15 degrees. Oh, it was more like five degrees when we were out The there. wind was a howling. Yeah. 30 mile oh an hour winds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You had to have your back to the wind or you were going to die. But, so we started out, um, yeah, somebody had been out there a little bit. So we started out there. First thing we did was kind of redrill some of their holes to see what they were looking at or if they had an idea or maybe they knew what they were doing, but, uh, we kind of came to the conclusion that they did not mm-hmm. know where, where they were going either. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't really see a whole lot. It was a lot, little uh, less than productive um, yeah. kind of trip. I don't know that I for sure marked any fish out there, yeah. which was a little disappointing. And we probably drilled, I don't know, 200 holes, 150 holes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. We burned through both our augers. But so a couple of things that we were doing that I think is kind of important when you're going to a new body of water like that and drilling it out is kind of where you drill your holes to, to, to try to put yourself into a position where you might find fish. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing that I did after we concluded that the holes that the, uh, the, whoever was there before was unproductive was I started out kind of in the middle and I started uh, just a straight line straight to the shore. Yep. So I could try to start to see where that shoreline break is. Um, see if I could find a depth change or rather quick depth change. Um, and there was a little bit of one, uh, not quite as sharp as I was hoping to find. Um, yeah, it, it was still, I mean, three feet right offshore and then went to transition down to six and to then 10. seven and 10. Yeah. And then somewhere in that 10 to 20 foot range, there's a fairly decent transition, but we just mm-hmm. didn't find any, yep. any fish there. And I was trying real shallow. Uh, hopefully maybe I could rattle something in, but just didn't happen. Yeah. And just kind of a muddy bottom threw yeah. the camera down. Didn't see any, any kind of movement, anything. Yeah. We just didn't see nothing. I guess we could have walked all the way to the other side of the lake. We didn't really try that. We just tried the deep side, but. Yeah. We gave it a good college try. Um, got to try out the cold defense, the homemade cold defense. Yeah, so how'd that work out for you? Bought a, uh, basically it's a aquarium pump. That's a USB powered aquarium pump. Um, it's a little black puck, basically. Yeah. And ran a quarter inch fuel line <laughs> off of it. That's what I'm talking about. Right up to the top of my hole and ran that sucker off the lithium shuttle. Worked great. 
I need to do a little tweaking with some zip ties and. Well, I was gonna say it looked like it. you maybe maybe you had a little too much horsepower in that hole. Is what it kind of looked like. It was really bubbling. I mean, that's that's <laughs> it pushing was some really water. Really bubbling. Uh, it was to the point where it was starting to kind of melt away the sides of the snow and slush in there. So like slush yeah. that's actually in the hole, it was thawing that out. It was cleaning it out. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I'm excited to, to use that. That was kind of the perfect day to try that, too. Oh, yeah. It was so cool. Everything was freezing up quick. Yeah. yeah. Yep, so just brutal conditions. I mean, our your reel freezes up, your line So did you have up. any problem? Yeah, did you have any problem getting ice on the line? Because oh, I, yeah. I was having ice on my line. I did. I did until I started using that. And then once you started using it, you didn't, that cleaned it up. Yep, and I kind of really? alternated between, you know, moving my rod down into the hole a little bit. Yeah. And then back up, you know, just kind of keep moving. I mean, that's my same tactic moving, anyways. But, that helped just having some of that warmer water. So that's that is a thing. The water below your hole is warmer. Is warmer than the stuff right on the surface. Definitely you know, makes sense. But I didn't know how good that would work. So Dang. that's exciting. That is kind of a game changer if it's able to kind of keep your line clear. Also. Yeah, and that's ten bucks. That's a big deal. You know? Yeah, ten bucks is just a USB Run off attachment. USB. I mean, Dang. Yeah. Where'd you get that at? That pump? Uh, just on Amazon. I think it was like eight bucks, something like that. Yeah. I had a little chunk of fuel line I was running something off of used probably oh yeah used, used <laughs> stuff i think what i might do um to to tweak it a little bit is put a t at the top to yeah. just kind of direct the flow well around. what about just punching some holes in that fuel line well see i thought about that too the problem is i want that t part to float so oh, i might even like yeah. put some spray foam around it or something where that's gonna determine you know your depth because i don't really care how far the the pump sits underwater, no. you know, six inches of hose or whatever. Yeah, whatever. But I want the top part to kind of be on the sit right on the top surface. of the water. Yeah. So then that way I'm thinking it can kind of raise up and down yeah. as I adjust my transducer. Or maybe or just get like one of those little, just a little tiny red and white bobber. They make some real tiny oh, ones. Oh, yeah, maybe there you just go. fasten that on there somehow. Yeah, stick it on. Yeah, man, that's kind of sweet. Because I'm thinking like a little PVC case around it, kind of yeah. like the cold defense has. So did you actually catch any fish while you were using it? No, because I know once we went in the shack, no, that we looks didn't like use a pain it. in the butt. And I was wondering, yeah, how how does how much do you think it's going to get in the way? You well, get a bluegill that's yeah. a real transducer tangler. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, if I do like a PVC pipe and fit that pump in the bottom, run the hose up through it, yep. spray foam the top of that so the top floats. floats sure. Then that kind of keeps it all contained, and that way you can flip it out easy. That way, at least you can get the line sturdy. out of it if you get some. Line oh yeah, true. So otherwise, you're going to have your transducer the the line, the power cable going to. Well, it, have you I'll, tried to zip tie it to your transducer? No, a little no bit? I didn't even try that. You don't want to do that. No, I no, I'm not opposed to that. Oh, okay. I just didn't try because gotcha. I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. it even work? Yeah. And it didn't freeze up either. That's what I was impressed with. Ooh, nice. I left it run in between. Well, maybe holes. that should be your go-to deal: is just zip tie your T up to kind of water level on your transducer. Yeah. And then just have it just hold it on, or your transducer cable, and it'll just kind of hold it on. Well, that, that's Maybe the thing, though. Right. I adjust the transducer depth up or down throughout the year. So, say we go well, somewhere goes down, yeah. Well, yeah. So, you can get it below the level of the ice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Still a little more engineering to go, but it's very promising. Yeah. That for, sounds for awesome. What, for what I would use it for. So, nice. that's pretty exciting. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more um, on that on some structure and and different types of structure here coming up on the short rod show hey ben so i've got this buddy that's trying to start a small business but he's having a real tough time with his digital footprint and just trying to figure all that out do you know anybody that could help him out well i think i do i know uh, a couple cool guys at this company called evergrow marketing 
and they really specialize in helping landscape and lawn care companies maximize their digital footprint and basically bring customers to them, help them get found on the internet. Really? I mean, they'll work with any business. Um, they're really looking to expand. And if you tell them that Ben and Brett sent you from the, the Short Rod Show, you can get it 10% off your first order. Really cool. If you're interested in the Evergrow Marketing team and what they have to offer, check them out on evergrowmarketing.com and tell them Ben and Brett from the Short Rod Show sent you. You know, Brett, I was poking around on Facebook the other day and I could just not find the Short Rod Show. What's the deal? Oh, you just got to punch us in on Google. What do you mean? We show up on Google already? Oh, yeah. The Evergrow team hooked us up. Holy cow. That's awesome. Yeah. Good deal. I'll try that now. Yeah, right. You just punch in Short Rod Show and we'll come up on our website, shortrodshow.com. It'll come up on Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Awesome. So people can find us all over now. Yeah, all over the internet. That's great. We're also on Instagram, too. I've been trying to keep up with that, posting some cool pictures. When we're out on the ice, you can check us out there, too. Yeah. Sweet updates. Awesome. Check us out, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for following us through the break. Uh, Today's episode, we're talking about structure, all different kinds of structure. Uh, Basically, things to look for to help help, uh, locate fish on bodies of water. Yeah. Brett, what what are you thinking that we uh, learned last weekend? Uh, what we learned last weekend was fish were not, the, the ponds we were fishing, the fish were not relating to necessarily bottom structure, but they were relating to wood. They were on trees. Mm-hmm. They were on, well, we were only on trees. We didn't see any pallets or anything, but, yep. uh, that's what we kind of found. Um, so we were, we started out that one bigger pond, didn't catch shit, <laughs> moved yep. to another one, uh, and dr- did a little drilling and found a little tree, yep. uh, sat over it, fished it, caught a couple bluegills right away. Yep. Uh, and then, so what we did was I shot down the Ben's camera, uh, is what recon five. Mm-hmm. So it's called. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and the water clarity wasn't great. You really couldn't no. see very well compared to that first leg. It was bad. Yeah. But you could get an idea of the complexity of the structure that of the tree that we were fishing. I mean, you get an idea of how dense the branches were yep. and if there was any needles, if it was a, if it was a Christmas tree or if it was just kind of a branch out there. And I think I concluded it was more of a branch than it was anything else out there. Yeah. But, and uh, even just the way that you drilled it out, Yep, you could go, uh, you know, a hole here, a hole two feet away, a hole two feet away from that kind of in a circle. Yep. And when you put your, <clears throat> your flasher down you can see different structure points different parts of it you know that's not necessarily a fish there that yep. wide red mark at you know 14 feet yep it's it's structure it's so, just a branch and then going down with the camera after that to kind of locate yep. where you want to be in relation to that was well helpful. yeah and fishing that sort of deal your spot on the spot makes a big difference oh, i mean yeah. if you're two or three feet off you might not even see the branch or you might not be in the, the i guess the prime area so having that camera yes you can drop down get an idea of what your surroundings are if you can see fish kind of see where they're grouped up at um it makes a big di- that camera makes a big difference on mm-hmm. lining up exactly where you want to be um especially if you're fishing not just those trees but if you are fishing like a pallet yep. uh pallet house or uh some people i see make those crazy ass uh yeah tube tree things that they put out in their yeah. stuff man-made stuff yeah it's just but like a snag using that camera to see it, it's important too to see kind of where the tree is going or where that branch is going yep because you can be on one leg of it 
And with your auger, you can see, a, or sorry, with your flasher, you can see a mark on your screen. Yep. And think, okay, I'm on structure. Well, you're probably you're probably on the farthest edge of yeah. a branch, reaching out. Maybe you're just on a trunk. Yes. Yeah. So you're not even close to the actual structure. So that's where you can throw your camera down, look all the way through. <clears throat> excuse me, and actually see the actual trunk of the tree or the main structure of the tree, or maybe there's multiple trees. Yep. Yep, um, and that's know. where you can start to see the complex. See, yeah, mm-hmm. see where the complexity of it is, and see where the branches are really starting to yep. peel off of. Well, and that too, you can see if fish are relating to a round structure. Maybe yep. they're out roaming around a little bit, or maybe they are tucked in, in tight, right in it, yep. where you're going to get snagged trying to go after any of them. Yep, yep, and that's what I've found a lot is a lot of times they're in it. Um, sometimes you can co- coax them to come out above it. Rarely, and mm-hmm. usually if you coax one, you're not going to get. I don't know. I just haven't had a lot mm-hmm. of look. Yep. Coaxing them up out of it. I've dropped down into structure before and caught a few. But, yeah, like you said, you're kind of chancing losing your jigs and mm-hmm. getting tangled up and having more of a headache. Uh, so a lot of times you can have success if you just slide over to the side and you're able to drop right on the edge of that. Mm-hmm. And that's also what the camera helps helps you with. Um, but the beauty of ice fishing is you can be very precise on where you want to put that jig. Yes. Um yeah, you can't move it a whole lot real easily, yep. um, as easy as you can in open water. But if you want to be right along the edge, six inches away from, you know, the edge of a pallet pile or the edge of your main branches or something, you can do that. Yep. Um, and a lot of times the fish are a little bit more apt to shoot out the side of structure to go get something than they are to go up. Yep. I've noticed. Yep, absolutely. And that <clears throat> fishing structure, too, uh, the, the baits that we use... When we know we're in the sticks, yep. we're not going to use, like, our rattling flyer. No, I don't want anything that's, that's going to shoot off to the that's side. That's going to shoot way out. Uh, you're going to get tangled up. It could get wrapped around something if you're jigging it aggressively. Yep. You're going to end up losing it. Yep. Um, so we're we're more of a, you know, regular spoons that just flutter, flutter types instead of the ones that dive way off. Yep. Or even, like, a jigging wrap. That's going to, oh, yep. my gosh. And if you want to, if you're if you're apt to doing that, dropping down, if you just cannot get them to bite any other way without being putting your jig in the shit, in the structure, mm-hmm. you got to be ready to crank those suckers out of there as soon as they bite. Yep. Um, a lot of times you won't be able to see them. Yep. Uh, maybe you'll see a little flicker, a little red flicker on your flasher, but you won't see that nice clean bar move up towards your jig just because you got mm-hmm. interference and separation from all the other sticks and stuff in the... Yeah, and that, that's a different type of, of uh, flasher pattern that you're reading on your screen where yep. it's a little more difficult if you're more of a novice fisherman to, much to be finesse. able to tell um, what's a fish and what's actual, you know, structure because it can still move around. Say your transducer just has a little wiggle to it. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, you, you might got a little wind. Of, yeah, you might think a fish is coming in, but th- really that's just the stick you've been looking at for the past two hours <laughs> and it just looks like it's moving. So, th- so that'd be something, you know, a beginner – um, taking them out fishing, that's probably not the best way to get them trained on a flasher because they're going to get a little confused on, okay, yeah. you said anything that comes in between the bottom and the top as as red or, you know, a, a hard mark is going to be a fish. And that may not be the case depending on where you're at. If you got a stick there, that's going to show up there no matter what. Yep. And and we've been fooled by it too where, oh, yeah. you know, we, we drop down. We don't think we're on structure, but we actually are. Yeah. And we mistake that for fish. Yeah. Because it and is hard to tell on you're flasher. You're jigging screen. at a branch for five minutes yeah if it that's your that's your clue there's your sign <laughs> there's moving. your sign <laughs> i've been working this fish for five minutes and yeah, it yeah. hasn't changed it hasn't moved huge mark though huge mark <laughs> oh yeah big old fish 
Yeah, so that that's that's good to good to reiterate and just yep be aware of because that's gotten me many times. Yep, yep. And then I've I've mentioned it in previous episodes, but how do how do you find some of those brush piles and stuff? Mm-hmm. And I know in Iowa at least, and I'm sure other states have it where the DNR have a lot of these brush piles marked. There's a GPS file you can download off their website, and you can upload it to your phone through some finagling. Go back to yep. Uh, what episode was that? Uh, oh, like episode. no flash or no problem. Yep, that's where I was Three talking about that. Yeah, one of the first rounds that we released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to figure out how to how to go about doing all that and yep. hear some of that, go back to that episode. But uh, yeah, or you just kind of come across like this lake that this pond that we were fishing. It's not marked, but some other folks had been fishing around it and you could see where some holes were dug. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it is marked now. That's yeah. the the good part of having a GPS. Yeah, I've got it marked on my hummingbird now. Yep. Ready to roll. We know exactly where it's at again. Um, You know, you can mark it on your own map or or make a mental note or whatever. Yep. Yep. It is helpful on on bigger lakes to have that marked. And as I mentioned before, after we kind of identified that, I wanted to kind of see where, because we weren't too far from shore, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of where that break was. Like how far were we, was that branch located just right off the shoreline break or was it a little further off or how close was it? Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I drilled the line of holes back and. I'd say, I don't know, maybe it was 10 foot off the yep. main break off into deeper water. But, um, and we caught everything off of that. Uh, what do we have? We had, uh, bluegills, crappies, bass, uh, an unknown oh, beast. Yeah. Man. <laughs> that was an emotional, emotional roller coaster with that, Ben. Yeah. I had it on for, for a while. Jigging um, up Big Mark. Big when mark. I say Big Mark, it was a dip, big Came game. Ripping mark. in. So it was probably a bass. Bass I'm or, I, I, I'm going to guess a carp. Or the way carp. it just kept ripping, I mean, you didn't do anything. It just was just going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the old bull whip couldn't handle it. A bass will give you could, some play. But it was just, I had, yeah, I tightened my drag up a little bit. Let's Schooly say that was, that was the wrong thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> Schooly would have had her under control. Oh, yeah. You would have just cranked that thing in. <laughs> right I would have been hand lining. I wouldn't have been cranking. Oh man, you break point. that sucker off right at the ice. Nah, there's no way. No, that way. was a heavy fish. It was a big fish, heavy. whatever it was. Yeah, that was kind so, of a heartbreaker. Yep. But that was fun. And then uh, if you guys f- are following us on Facebook, so we had our favorite Casey's Pizza out yeah. there with us. Picked up some a Casey's Pizza, a couple bass. Man, it's cold. Yeah, that was a nice short, quick trip. Real yep. windy sucker, but yep. it was good to get out quick. It's windy enough that one person has to be sitting in the shelter at all times. Yeah, that, or that the shelter was going to blow away. Flip right over. Yeah. Blow all the way across the lake. That would have sucked. <laughs> yep. That really would have sucked. Yep. That was good. So, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to mention about? Fishing, that type of structure? Yeah, fishing structure, um, something that I always thought was really cool um, when I saw it for the first time was in Wisconsin, the pallet towers that they build. Yeah. That the DNR, I'm assuming, professionally installs. I mean, they have to kind of anchor them in. Yep. yep. You know, they stack a bunch of pallets up, um, you know, kind of crisscross pattern going all the way from the bottom of the lake up, you know, maybe five, six foot from the top. Um, and that was really cool watching the in-depth outdoors episode where they fish those and show oh, you yeah. how to fish those. That was a number of year go- year goes. years ago. It was ago. back when Joel Nelson was on the show. Yeah. Um, and he was showing how to, you know, use like what you said, use the GPS points. They're all publicly available, you yep. know, marked points, uh, for the structure to get out there and get in the vicinity of them. Yep. And then drill a couple holes, use your camera to precisely locate where you want to be in relation to those. I mean, yep. with a pallet tower, you can't just drill right on top. No, fish it. you're not going to get them out You of can't there. drill too far away from the sides either 
And they were really going out trying to catch these fish and they were not having a lot of it yep. until they get their jig, you know, three right inches from the, the edge of the pallet. Yep. You know, the, the fish were schooling up inside the pallets and they were just kind of peeking out. Yep. And you had to be right by their nose. To I get mean, their whole out. body, they would not put yeah. their whole body outside that pallet. They nose their face out to grab something. And that was oh, like, that's crazy. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's really spot on the spot to the max. And that's, and it's tough. I mean, really, the only way you're going to know that the fish is coming out to get your lure, mm-hmm. your, your flasher is useless at that point. They were if straight you're fishing, camera fishing. Yeah, yeah, you're you're fishing straight up with the camera. Yep. Uh, which can be difficult here in Iowa. I don't know. Uh, That's I mean, really hard to do for me. We can really only see maybe two or three feet in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, where there, you need to be able, you need to be able to see a little ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it would be nice to get on a real crystal clear body of water and actually fish with a camera. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Yep. Well, what's cool about doing that too is, is you can kind of, you know, you may not feel the bite, but you can watch the fish suck it in, you know, get the jig in and you can tell if he's just kind of chewing on the outside of it versus actually chewing on the hook part of it. Yep. And that's where the finesse comes in of, okay, normally you would set the hook anytime, you know, you kind of feel just a little twitch to it. Yeah. And that's where you miss the fish. If the hooks say it's spun around and he's biting on the the other end of it. Yep. So that, that's pretty cool to see. Well, we'll should do that sometime. Yeah. This, and I think another winter. thing Set too that'd be slick to do with that is, is watching your line also mm-hmm. is get some, uh, monofilament instead of fluoro that floats a little mm-hmm. bit and do want, use your line indicator instead of yep. trying to feel the bite. I think that'd be clutch. Oh, that's real finesse fishing. We're coming uh-huh. up on it. Yeah. 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 If we're coming, what we're, we're coming up on season. is ice fish is cat fishing season here soon. It's true. I see a lot more cats being pulled through the ice here. That's telling me that usually I like to wait for the, I don't know if it'll really happen this year, but once the oxygen levels start getting low and mm-hmm. those shads start dying, that's when it's game on. Oh yeah. But, uh, yep. Um, yeah, I guess I don't have a whole lot else to say about fishing. We'll talk, fishing talk a little wood. bit about contours and, and lake structure, natural structure. Yeah. That's the part that I really get pumped up about. I like the, the I like master. fishing the lake structure, contour lines, knowing kind of where you're at on the lake and yep. kind of identifying bottom content. So are you fishing mud, sand, rock? Uh, a transition between their weeds. Um, I mean, surprisingly enough, that weed line, if you're fishing a body of water with a weed line in, in the winter, there's a hell of a lot of fish that mm-hmm. run that weed line. Even if it's dead, there's still fish that'll, that'll mm-hmm. hang out around there. Um, but so what I got, I got my hummingbird pulled up right now and I've got big Creek, uh, pulled up. So big Creek is a lake located just North and West of Des Moines. Mm-hmm. It's about what? 800 acres mm-hmm. dammed up. Um, and it, what's kind of unique about this lake is it's really kind of, I fish it as kind of two different bodies of water. You got kind of the upper half, mm-hmm. which is more of a large basin style lake. Then the lower half is really steep drop-offs down into 60 foot, uh, more of your kind of straight line flowage mm-hmm. area. Um, and there's just bottom con- content for days. Because really all it is is just a dammed up ravine is what it, big ass ravine is what it was before. So yep. um, number one thing I do on this is I start turning on depth highlight on the on the hummingbird on, on the Lake Master chips. Yeah. So I when I first heard about doing that, I was like, oh, you know, I can see the contour lines. I can see what I'm looking at. You know, any idiot can see that. It's not that big of a deal. Well, now that I've started using it more habitually, it is clutch because it it there's just little areas that you don't quite notice. There's okay. little yep. finesse areas. I mean, you're talking about 800 acres. You can't possibly 
just see all your lines and then know exactly what depths you're at. Yep. Um, you get lost. So you start running that depth, that contour or that depth highlight. Well, the next question is, well, what depths do I highlight? What depths are important? Um, I mean, if I'm, de- if I'm highlighting 20 foot worth of depth, yeah, that's pretty broad. You're not really going to see mm-hmm. what you're looking for. Um, so in particular areas, particularly like Big Creek, um, I almost always, just because of the way the structure sets up, if I'm fishing that north half of the lake, uh, from the east boat, east boat ramp north, mm-hmm. um, I usually set that depth highlight right at about 15 foot and then I plus and minus five feet. So that puts me at 10 to 20 foot Okay, is what I'm looking range. at. Yep. And it does a great job of highlighting some offshore structure. And then it also does a great job of highlighting where some of that shallow structure or some of that shallow ground starts to drop off into some of the deeper water that I'm, that I'm really looking to okay. target. Yep. Uh, and that's really up my game. Ice fishing. Big Creek is running yep. that depth highlight. Yep. So then after that, what I'm looking for, usually uh, key points would be a steep drop off from the, the depth that I have highlighted down into deeper water. And hopefully that deeper water either goes out into a basin or goes out into the creek. Uh, or if it's towards later of the day, um, I'll look for drop-offs going from shallow water down into the depth highlight that I'm looking for. Um, and that's where, that's that's a lot of times, that's, that's the juice. That's the juice. Yeah. Kind of some dry details there, but that's what I look for anyways. Cool. Uh, and then a lot of times you can get into different bottom content also while you're fishing that. I mean, you run into, you'll be in some real mucky, muddy areas if you're real shallow above 10 foot. And then as you transition down into 20 foot, you'll start to get actual Mm -hmm. lake bottom uh, hardness. Um, And then you can, sometimes in those drops and transitions, there's some rock and stuff you can find out in there. And that, uh, finding that rock, that can be the juice out there on Big Creek. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a ton of structure out there. That's, that's what's so difficult. Yep. um, That. I feel like to fish Big Creek is there's just so much so much structure for yeah. fish to relate to. You get lost out there a little bit, but there's still some key points. I mean, I still think the the rule of thumb of ninety fish ninety percent of the fish live in ten percent of the water mm-hmm. still applies out there. Um, I mean, you'll see there's a road bed out there that yeah. where ninety percent of the fishermen fish. Also, mm-hmm. um, I'm not saying ninety percent of the fish are there anymore, but yep. that's where everybody likes to fish. Well, you can definitely tell the people that are out there figuring out the pattern are always the yeah, one yeah. posting the pictures of catching oh, yeah. catching the fish out there catching nicer walleye and everyone and... else is saying that big creek sucks yeah yeah so i had a, lo- <laughs> a real love hate relationship with big creek a lot until this year i think we finally started figuring out what's going on out there this year open water mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so my neighbor down the street retired uh that dude freaking pounds monster walleyes and mm-hmm. smallmouth bass out of smallies yep and I have never even seen a smallmouth bass out there. Uh, and he's, and you know, usually I'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 whatever, Snook, you're just shooting the shit. Yep. Uh, and then he pulls up pictures. And I'm like, God <laughs> dang it. Of him standing by the boat ramp. Yeah, standing by the, the boat ramp. With the sign that says Big Creek. Yep. <laughs> but the sign says Big Creek holding like a freaking 26-inch walleye. Yep. Or, yeah, he had, the one time he had a pair of smallmouths. Gosh. Uh and then he, he releases everything. I don't think he keeps anything. Oh, that's good. Good um, for him. But he does. He he must throw them in his live well and then takes quick pictures of them and then pop, pop, pops sure. them all back. Sure. Show so, yeah. them off to his buddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make you jealous. Oh, my gosh. But he <laughs> spends a lot of time out there. I mean, I'll give it yeah. to him. He put He's put in a heck of a lot of work out there. But I think the key is there is he's retired also. Well, in 30 years when we retire, we can go out there. 
Yeah, well, hopefully I can accelerate that a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be nice. Less than 30 years? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Good for you. Maybe. Man, I think I'd get bored. If I was 55 years old and retired, man, I'd want to still I'd just be fishing all all the time. Man, I don't know. I could do it probably for a solid year of just straight fishing, but. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, where was I going with this? Uh, Oh, yeah, that's another thing I wanted to mention. Specifically, also, Big Creek. Wow. So everyone's all horned up about Big Creek right now because some guy caught two Mm -hmm. average-sized walleyes. Well, for Big Creek, they're pretty good-sized walleyes. The guy caught like a a 19-and-a-half and and like a Mm 23-incher. That's what it looked like. Mm -hmm. Uh, So people are all horned up about it now. And he posted on Facebook. He's like, yeah, Big Creek, Big Creek. You know what I'm willing to bet? Because he took those pictures inside a hut is that they were not on Big Creek. (laughs) That's what I would do. (laughs) Yep. I would post that about everything. I just think yeah, all of this came from Big Creek. Yep. But uh, so yeah, I'm sure there's ten thousand people out there right now. I had two messages on my phone this morning of guys that I knew that were heading out to Big Creek. Yep. Never been there. Wondering if I had any tips for them. Um, yep. Number one tip I'd say for fishing Big Creek is there's not a lot of weeds. Um, so when you find weeds and weed lines, um, fishing not in there but around yep. there can be pretty key. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and like this time of year with how much snow we've gotten, it's just going to be a slush mess out there. Yeah. And the ice isn't very thick yet. I don't no. know what, maybe eight inches. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be pretty slushy out there, but I mean, it sounds like there's still fish being caught. It sounds like yep. they're catching a lot of wipers out there right now, yep. which those are a hell of a lot of fun yeah, to that's catch. Fun. Uh, that's probably my number one favorite targeted species out there. Yep. Those things are just little cannonballs. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and then on the... One of our first episodes, um, talking about using your flasher to your advantage. I mean, you talked a little bit about figuring out bottom content yep. and what the bottom is made up of. So we're talking, you know, being able to read your flasher to tell, is it a rock bottom? Is it a, a muddy bottom, sandy bottom, yep. um, weedy bottom, what, you know, what that looks like on there. And that's actually, um, reading the marks below the bottom that, yeah. that helps, helps yep. you kind of interpret what that might look like. And, and a lot of that comes from just time out on the water yep. and determining, what you're looking like, looking knowing at. what you're sitting on, put your flasher down, see what the content. Yep. But at the, the same time, don't be afraid like. to drop something heavy down there and on, on the end of your line and pull it up and see if some clay comes up with it or mm-hmm. kind of what comes up with it. Yep. But yeah, I mean really throwing a camera down and just yep. looking around, you can tell a lot of what the content looks like. And then also, you know, a camera down with, your jig and just let it drop to the bottom. See what the, what it does. See what happens. Yeah. Yep. Does it go? Poof, That's one thing I really can appreciate up. about running the camera is you can see the action of your jigs. Mm-hmm. You can see exactly kind of how your jig stroke is affecting what you're doing down there. Um, Cause I think a lot of times people get a little over aggressive and you got way too much movement going down, mm-hmm. down there and you don't realize it. Um, really all yeah. you want is just a little, a little flicker. Well, I need more like everyone is going towards long, long rods. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all about. So you got a lot of leverage. I get really having rip. you know the longest rod you can you can fit basically. Yep. Um, but at the same time, that you have to be aware of what that's doing to your jig because that's just yep. a big, big lever rip. on the end. Yep. You're just ripping baits all over. Yep. Yep. So and so primarily with that, what I what I do with the camera is I want to set up on a transition point. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's a transition of, uh, if, so if I'm fishing a steep break, I I rarely fish on the break. That, like that would that's just not a situation. I would either fish the bottom of that break as it levels out, yep. or I'd fish the top of that break. Um, I've, I mean, I've drilled holes and I've fished the break a little bit, but I've never really had a lot of success. Usually, if it's in the middle of the afternoon, first go to, 
you know, sun's high is I'm going to fish the bottom of that break. Yep. Um, that's kind of a, just a corridor for fish to go back and forth. Uh, early morning, evening, I'll fish the top of that break. Um, that, I mean, that'll be the primary focus points anyways. Yep. Um, and then the next thing I'd be looking for is uh, what else is there in that area? I mean, I'm not just fishing. I mean, a lot of these lakes just have shoreline breaks that go on all the way around the lake. Sure. Well, which one do I want to go with? Where do I want? Um, you want to start, you want to look for other key attributes that come into there. So maybe there is a brush pile right around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there are weeds, maybe there's a roadbed, uh, maybe you hit the break and then you have a transition to a different, uh, bottom content that yep. that's where you want to be. Um, then that's really where, when you talk about high percentage areas, yeah. that's, those are going to be the high percentage areas. Yeah. And like, look for like well-traveled paths that fish can go on. You know, yep. we talk about corridors and travel areas where fish want to go from, you know, their weedy spot to yep. a deeper spot to where they feed to where they, they yeah. go move throughout the day. You know, you can you can kind of set up on those funnel areas. Yeah, those are, to me, I guess, when I first started out, those were kind of buzzwords. A lot of people like to say that stuff, but I didn't really know what it meant. Yeah. Like, how do I know? I don't I don't know. Yeah, yeah. sure, this guy just told me that this area right here is a funnel corridor, but when I go to look at a map myself, I don't freaking know what a funnel corridor looks like if yep. i've got my own situation um so really what i guess yeah so that's when i started just equating multiple forms of structure together yes. and yep. then that's where i started running. get into your higher percentage points yep area yep of fishing and then the yep. yeah and then now that i've got more into it those just happen to also be your corridors yep yeah, yeah. just different terminology sort of deal yep uh because yeah sometimes i think folks if you start really listening to the pros and some like sometimes like that, uh, some of their terminology and how they speak is, you just kind of get confused on exactly what they're talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, about. yeah, yep, absolutely. Well, they spend so much damn time on the water that you just don't know. You get lost a little bit. Yep. But I uh, hope that helped. Um, another, oh, I guess I'll, I got another point with the bottom structure. Go for it. Um, especially ice fishing, you can get offshore. So if you don't have a boat, ice fishing offshore. Look for isolated pieces of structure also. So little humps out in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have to be real big, obvious humps. I mean, I'm talking three, four, five feet, um, nothing major. A lot where a lot of your free service mapping yep. is those contours aren't going to be in there. Um, so, yeah, paying for a decent map. Yeah. You can find some humps in some areas that can really produce that not everyone can see and know about. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Uh, Fishing with some sort of map is yeah. so much better than just going out and yep. trying to guess. Yep. Even just drilling holes in an area you think that is going to be good and then trying to use your flasher to determine the pattern is difficult. Yep. There's a lot of things out there that catch fishermen more than fish. Mm-hmm. Um, mapping is not one of them. Mapping good, good is point. something yep. that it's money well catches. Spent. Yeah, it's money well spent, catches fish. I mean, you got like your aerator pump. They're nice, handy for the fishermen at the end of the day. Yep. Not going to put, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not a necessity to be out there fishing. Um, But mapping has become one of the necessities that I wouldn't go without. Yep, absolutely. And I think as us fishing as a team, it's helped me out a lot. Oh, yeah. To see why they're there. You start to figure out why. That's the question. That's the the answer that I'm, the question I'm always asking myself while Uh I'm out there is, well, why is this fish here? Why is it in this location at this time of day feeding on what I'm putting down there. Yep, exactly. Um, and if you can start to put those questions together, you can start making, you can start answering that question for a lot of lakes and that'll really turn you on. Oh yeah, 
get you yeah. going, get yeah. you on some fish. So yeah, hopefully you guys learned a lot uh, on today's episode. I know it's sure a lot of fun just sitting down and talking ice fishing for a while. Shooting the breeze. Yeah, I know I'm kind of thinking about hopefully I can scoot out later this afternoon yeah. for an hour or two while it's nap time. Yeah, that'd be nice. Because <laughs> yeah, it is not a bad day. No, it'll be a nice day to be out quick. It'll probably be a little slushy, but yep. I'll be all right. I'll, I'll take the Kirby's jet sled and there you go. throw a few things in there and just go yep. drill a couple of holes and see what happens. Yep, that sounds good. So, well, thanks everyone for uh, joining in, listening with us. Uh, keep it up. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think we, the way things are going, we're going to hit ten thousand this week. Yeah, ten thousand. That'll be downloads. cool. Oh my we'll gosh! A little surprise for you guys for ten thousand. Um, because yeah, it's very exciting for us to see that take <laughs> off in what fifteen episodes. Yeah, 14. unbelievable. Yep. Really appreciate it. Yep. So keep it up. Uh, keep the comments coming. Um, keep the posts coming, all the, all the love on Facebook. We've cool. had more comments <laughs> this past week than I think we've yeah. ever had between emails and I've gotten some Facebook stuff yep. and yeah, it's been fantastic. It really kind of keeps you drive, keeps the drive going for, for yeah. doing this sort of stuff. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. We, we really appreciate it for everyone uh, to listen in and just keep giving us comments and ratings and that, that helps a lot. And if already... I email you, email me back. Dang it. Oh yeah. Come on people. <laughs> no one uses email anymore. <laughs> But yeah, we're up to, I think, 38 ratings right now on iTunes. Is it? On Apple Podcasts. That's pretty huge. Nice. That's that's starting to get a little sample size going. Well, we've got, what, almost 60-some followers on Podbean. Yeah. I didn't know even people... It, it, well, I didn't know it looks like a lot of people are just stuff. creating profiles just to follow us on Podbean. Yeah. I didn't know... So, yeah. yeah. And then so uh, people on it. the one uh, the one listener said he found us right away on Spotify. And I, you yep. type in ice fishing on Spotify and search for podcasts. We're, we're the top one. No, shit. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, so, yeah. And some guy said that they that's how he found us on Google, too, is just ice fishing podcast. Yes. Boom. Yep. Short rod show. Yep. That's pretty sweet. So, yeah. like Brett said, we're all over the internet. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> now we really are. Before, it was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now we really are on for the sure. internet everywhere. <laughs> awesome. Well, Uh, Until next time, guys, thanks for listening to The Short Rod Show.